You could you can slap down about eight to fifteen little smokies in no time flat. Welcome back to Privy. Privy is a podcast about bathrooms, recorded from my home bathroom. I'm your host, Hunter Hoover, and I love bathrooms. Welcome back. Happy holidays, joyous whatever, and Merry Christmas to you. We are, today, clock it, sitting at about 10 days, depending on when you're listening to this, um, away from the big day, Christmas morn. And, and if you're like me, you are in the, in, in the parental side of Christmas where it's so close, and, and you know that there is a new gadget or toy wrapped underneath that tree that will entertain and, and, and just motivate your child. And you weigh with each passing moment, with each day that, you know, you're right on the edge of like, man, there, there seems to be like a lot of emotions today of, of it being the day where you say the phrase, you know what, why don't we open a gift early? Now, I'm not against this. Um, I'm not against the early Christmas gift. In fact, I'm a proponent of it. Um, I, I, was, I was the beneficiary of the early Christmas unwrapping as a child. Um, my dad, uh, to overshare, my dad was in the military. And so frequently, I uh, would not get to open gifts on Christmas morn. And so I regularly would open gifts on the 22nd, the 23rd, because if my dad worked the 23rd through the 26th, um, it was open them early or open them late and God forbid you open them late. And so, uh, parents, you are in that, that, t- that telling time, that strange moment where you are going to have to make the decision. Do I let little Dougie unwrap his Christmas gift early? Or do I save it? Do I, do I make him and the suspense allow it to build to that moment on Christmas morn where little Dougie rips open that package and is surprised? Which is it going to be? Either way, I hope this holiday season has been finding you well. I hope you are at least five Christmas movies deep by the time you hear this. And uh, Merry Christmas. Um, I wanted to check in briefly. Um, so, I, I regularly eat leftovers past what I would say is the recommended amount of days uh, that you should allow leftovers to steep. Um, that is the official term for allowing leftovers to sit, um, refrigerated or otherwise, before you eat them again. So, um, recently we went out to eat at Ye Olde Cracker Barrel. Now, if you've never been to a Cracker Barrel, first of all, I'm quite sorry. Um, it's, it's a, like a old-fashioned country western store but not like country western like it's got like weird home goods and stuff it's pretty cool um but attached to it is a restaurant that serves just the purest comfort food that you will ever eat at a dine-in restaurant and they also are notorious and and in our instance here gave us an an ungodly proportion of food uh i mean I ordered the glazed chicken tenders, thinking, ah, oh, you know, I get about four, maybe six tendies if I'm lucky. These folks rolled out with eight tenders, and I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like your gas station, like hot case size tender. 
these tenders were each like about six to eight inches long and about two inches in girth. Now, yeah, girth. And I, you know, I supped down as many as I could. I think I ate four or five, which is, which is too many. Like I, I'm not going to try to pretend, but the reason I was pushing, I was pushing for all eight and I couldn't get across the finish line, but I was pushing for all eight because we had to drive home the next day. And these tendies were going to sit in the box, in the car all day waiting for me to warm them up probably the following day, if not the following day, or in our case, the following day. So Sunday goes by, we do Sunday dinner, hang out. uh, And then Monday, I take this box of chicken to me to work at the school. And, you know, most people in the room informed me that what I was getting involved in was a bad idea. I didn't heed their warning. Um, And I didn't get the stomach flu. um, But I got just like, just a classic, like what I like to call bad tum tum. You know, you're you're visiting the bathroom multiple times in an hour. Uh, you just have a general feel of unease. It doesn't feel sick. It just feels uneasy. And so, what I've learned is that you can eat three day old Cracker Barrel chicken unrefrigerated, but it's not the preferred method. Like, definitely better fresh. Just saying. Speaking of meals. This week, I, we need to t- we're going to be talking about Christmas meals and Christmas traditions. And I, and I think there are some people who oddly reserve ham for Christmas where they would say the dirty bird, the turkey, the dirty bird, um, is for Thanksgiving. It's, a, it's the Thanksgiving meat piece of choice. Now, I know, there's, I know there's the ham lobby out there lobbying for Thanksgiving. But, like, the Thanksgiving turkey is like the entire thing. I'm not saying it's the entire thing. Like, being thankful is part of it. But, like, you know, like, don't be... Let ham... Let turkey have its spot. Like, don't replace the turkey. Just have both. I remember growing up, some of the best Christmases, um, the Christmas dinners were spent eating pizza. Because that's what's open. And chips and dip or Little Smokies. Man, I... Man. We would... My grandmother and my mother would always have just a crock pot full of Little Smokies just swimming in that like barbecue water mixture. Oh my gosh. You you could you can slap down about 8 to 15 little smokies in no time flat. You get yourself one of those little toothpicks, and you're just like jousting those little smokies, just popping them back faster than you can say popping them back. And I remember like Christmas tradition, we would open our gifts on Christmas Eve usually because Sanya had had done an early drop off at our house. While we're at Christmas Eve service at the church, it's interesting Santa works alongside our religious uh, leanings. And, you know, I appreciated it growing up. It was so convenient every time. And honestly, where I grew up, like, the movie theater was the only thing that was open on Christmas. So, you know, we would do Christmas Eve and then we'd go do Christmas at my grandfather's, which was really, like, if we're being honest, it was the time for the cousins to get together and compare their loot. Um, what did you get? What did you, what was your haul? And I remember this one year, I don't know why this stood out to me, but all the aunts and uncles had decided to get gift cards for Christmas instead of gifts. And all of those cousins walked away with like pushing $200 in gift cards as like children. And I just remember it was, it was a Christmas miracle. It was, it was the while I remember that distinctly. But then after, you know, you do the family things for the day and then it's like, Hey mom, can I go to the movies with the homies? Um, and we'd always finish up our, our family time and later go to a movie in the evening with my friends. Now, now that my kids are growing up faster than I'd like, uh, little tykes, 
we're working on laying down our own Christmas traditions. And I, I got to share this because this one's pretty good. I got to share it before my children get home. They're going to get here pretty quick. Um, but one of the traditions that we do is, and this is new this year, but we purchased um, a gnome Christmas tree topper and we placed it upon our tree. And since placing it upon our tree, we have begun to fill our home with a various festive winter gnomes. Uh, claiming to the children that we have no idea where they've come from, that they are overtaking our home. Um, and it's fun, you know? You just you got to have your little things that you do. We've looked at wild Christmas traditions throughout the world um, here on the show before. From the Cagney to the Tio de Denal, um, there are all sorts of weird Christmas traditions out there. For those who don't know, the Cagney, the Cagner, whichever one you want to say, is a... In addition to the traditional nativity scene, usually featuring a small child taking a poop in the background. And this is to remind the onlooker of the lowly birth of the, of the Christ child. Um, the, the T.O.D., the T.O. Nadal, whatever, I'm goofing it up. Um, T.O. Day Nadal was the poop log. Um, he's a little dookie log. Anyway, that kid's push into the fire and he burns. Um, yay. And he poops out treats. That's like his whole thing. He's a log. Anyway. And we've had a lot of these Christmas traditions that we've looked at. And they've been wild and somewhat bathroom related in nature. But it took some digging. But this year we found another treat for you. Food is often another Christmas tradition. For ages, the Christmas duck or goose, later swapped in for the turkey, is the norm. Heck, why do you think they got so many birds in the 12 days of Christmas? You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty confident the reason they've got, like, so many birds is they're eating half of them. Like, do people eat partridges? Can you eat a partridge? I mean, obviously you can, but, like, do people do it? Pears are good, though. But there's this seemingly pointless feud between the turkey lobbyists and the ham enthusiasts. And the ham buddies seem to want to take back Christmas as the swine's day to shine. That's just not it, because I always thought of ham as an, as an Easter food, not even Christmas. I mean, I know Christmas ham, it's a thing, but like, I, I don't know why. I always thought of Easter ham. For me, I think if like Little Smokies and just eating way too much sweets at Christmas, like I said. But in other parts of the world, there's some strange Christmas meal features. China gives and has apples on Christmas Day. They gift. And in turn, eat those Christmas apples. Japan has a tradition of eating Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas. <laughs> in fact, people in Japan pre-order their Christmas chicken months ahead of time. It's funny because here in the United States, people try to avoid Kentucky Fried Chicken at all possible, with the exception of that sweet, sweet Mountain Dew Peach Lightning. Um, but in Japan, they're pre-ordering it for Christmas. It's kind of like that scene in Christmas with the Cranks where they're fighting over the honey-baked ham, except in this case, they're fighting over a tub of the colonel's finger licking chicken you think that you think the japanese lick their fingers at eat nah herring under a fur coat yep uh that's the term for it herring under a fur coat is served in russia and this features everyone's favorite uh pickled herring served with a lot of stuff on top sounds awful um much of like a lot of what's going on in russia right now um england has christmas pudding the figgy pudding if you will Norway eats Smalahove. I'm probably saying that right. What's Smalahove? Oh, what's Smalahove, you ask? <laughs> well, it's the 
cured and dried head of a sheep. That's all. Check out the privy social for an image of this. You're thinking to yourself, oh, the head of a sheep. Like, it's probably a part of it that they, no, it's, it's got the freaking eyeballs. It's, it's awful looking, heinous. Lord help us. Greenland, another Inuit peoples of the area, eat fermented Norwal. Yum. For a run there, England was serving peacocks. And one, which is going to be the topic of this week's episode, is the Christmas carp. Now, I don't need to explain that there's nothing particularly bathroom about carps. Like, you might be thinking, did Hunter just pick this? Because if your phone is dumb and autocorrects carp, it might put it down as crap. No, I assure you I did not. Although, my phone does do that. But to get ourselves grounded, we need a bit of history and a bit of biology here. In Eastern Europe in the 13th century, there was a heavy Catholic influence. As many in the area were practicing Catholics, which reminds me, if you're Catholic, who, if you're a Catholic who is not practicing, can you please refer, your, refer to yourself as a rusty or out-of-practice Catholic? Like, like, if you're a practicing Catholic, that's the word, like, you practice your Catholicism. And I'm not trying to, sh like, swap in any religion here. But, like, you, you hear the word practicing Catholic. If, if you're not a practicing Catholic, I would like to pose that you are a rusty or out-of-practice Catholic. But the Catholic influence in the um, Eastern European er, er, region called for fasting and observances on the Christmas holiday. Now, in the Catholic tradition, fasting from meat does not include fish. So, no meat, but you may still eat fish. In fact, so many uh, families in the area began turning to this as an option around the holidays. Christmas Eve is the last day of Advent fast, called the Generous Day by those in the area. On the last day of fast, to close out the fast and usher in Christmas Day, you would have the Christmas Eve feast. And so it became custom to eat the fish on Christmas Eve because you wanted to treat yourself, have some meat because you haven't had a lot of protein in that regard in a long time, but you didn't, you know, you're still practicing Catholic. You don't want to just totally break your fast. So the question then, and we've kind of buried the lead and, and given up the, um, let the carp out of the bag early, if you will. Uh, but what fish? Because the Eurasian or European carp is native to Eastern Europe. Bada bing! Bada boom, little Catholicism, little carp in your water supply, and you got yourself the makings of a holiday tradition like no other. Even today, if you hit the streets days before Christmas, you'll see vendors selling live carp in bags to families. It's kind of like when you go to the state fair and, you know, they've got those weird games where you skeet the ping pong ball and if you land it in the fish bowl, you get the fish. 100% of those fish have died within a month. Like if, if, you, got a, if you got a state fair fish, um, State Fair Fish, excellent. That has to be a kid's book somewhere. But um, if you got a State Fair Fish growing up and it lived more than one month, write to me, privycast at gmail.com. You can at privycast, those things. Um, but I'm convinced that those fish are designed to die in weeks. But you go to the streets of Eastern Europe weeks before Christmas and you're going to see the, the markets lined with live carp. Yes, live carp. And while you could co-catch murder and have a dead fish, 
most families opt for a live one. Now, the biology here is that carp, carps, carp, carps, carp. We're going to go with carp. Carp are natural bottom feeders. This means they eat all the junk and literal crap that settles to the bottom of the lake or wherever they're at. As a result, it is reported that they, much like most bottom feeders, <laughs> you know of, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about here, have a dirty flavor. They leave a dirty flavor in people's mouth. That's true for people too. You know, if there's bottom feeders out there, they leave a dirty flavor in people's mouth. That's just true. Like, I can't help it. Now, we don't want to ruin Catholic Christmas with a swampy carp. Like, you know, you're closing out your, your Catholic, you know, ge the generous day with the Christmas Eve fast and the end of the, the, the Advent fast. You don't want an earthy carp, a swampy carp. So what's an what's a in-practice Catholic in Eastern Europe supposed to do about such things? Well... I would like to introduce to you something that I have called bathtub carp. For centuries, families across Eastern Europe have put their Christmas carp, either caught from the lake or purchased live from the vendors mentioned before, into their bathtubs in their homes. The carp lives in the bathtub until Christmas Eve. Now, because as we said, carp are bottom feeders, one way to help the flavor is to stick them in clean water to work the flavor out. Pretty cool. Now, essentially what this is, is you're allowing the carp to ingest the clean water. And I assume food, like you would have to put food in this bathtub. Otherwise, like I, I imagine this carp would get sick and not do well, but like it, you got to get the, you got to get the, the swamp out of the carp, you know, you can take the carp out of the swamp but you can't take the swamp out of... No, that's not true. Um, You can get the swamp out of the carp and you essentially just kind of let him sit there. He's like a natural like Brita filter and you just got to kind of keep running fresh water through him until he's no longer yucky. Now, today, many homes have two baths, but in times past, if you're letting your new bathtub carp marinate for three to five days, um, <laughs> you're letting it steep. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the beginning of the episode. Um... Three, three to five days before Christmas Eve dinner, you're staring down a week of no baths, possibly. Now, I don't think that people bathe that often back then anyway, but this is still practice today. So it's like, imagine going over to someone's house and they just have a full-size carp swimming in their bathtub. Makes you wonder if anyone has ever got in with the little guy, you know? Take a little dip with the carp, with the Christmas carp. I guess it's weird since you'll be eating him soon. Bathtub carp is generally served, fried, and alongside a bowl of soup. Yummy. And, to top it all off, you now have fish poop in the bathtub water. So that's cool. It's an interesting tradition, the bathtub carp. Like, can you imagine? I just want to get you in the headspace. You know, you go over to your friend. I don't. We're not going to try to name him because I'll probably appropriate something. But you go over to your friend's house, and you're like, hey, man, can I use your bathroom? And he's like, yeah. And, and you walk down the hall and you pop the door open. And, like, it's moving. You're going to hear it. And, you, you know, the, you turn the light on and you just hear... In the, in the bath as this carp flops and swims around in the water. Like, 
I would have so many questions. Like you have to, if you have guests, if you have guests open, if you have guests over while you're letting your carp steep or marinate, you got to let them know. You got to say, Hey, just so you know, we keep a Christmas carp. Um, it's a whole thing and it's a chance to tell them about your religion. So that's nice. It's an interesting addition, but I, but I'll bet that fried carp ain't bad. This brings us to the end of another episode of Privy. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we appreciate you being here. I hope your holiday season is full of cheer. As always, you can follow us on social media. We're at PrivyCast on all social media. We also have a Discord. It's like discord.gg slash PrivyCast. I don't know. Um, we'll try to get that going and have some more chatting going on there. We're also on Reddit, r slash PrivyCast. Go check that out. Um and feel free to feel free to post on those things. You know, if those are like social medias where they're like walls, feel free to post there. Um, bathroom stuff, pictures, potty shots, all those things. As always, you can send us an email, privycast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Episode suggestions, ideas, feedback, all those things. Um, leave us a rating or review. The five-star option is our preferred. Uh, and if we can get more of those reviews, it helps people find the show. Uh, and is just something that helps like... Yeah, helps get the show out there uh, in front of people so that way they can get this very important information. Yeah, so leave us a review. We would love to read that here on the show. Um, yeah, five-star five options are preferred. If you're on Spotify, just the they don't have a review system. Just leave us the rating. That'd be great. Um, as always, our music is by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, Kevin, for the use of Barroom Ballet. This has been another episode of Privy. Thank you so much for joining us. And now, as always... Don't forget to flush. <laughs>